welcome to another edition of the It's Search SEO podcast, where we paint the town red with search marketing insights. This week, a familiar face for many, Ross Tavendale of Type A Media joins us to reflect back on all the major trends in SEO brought to us by 2019, where we're at with links, no follow hints, news links, spammy links, and the future of links, clicks, Peter Simba clicks, no clicks, more clicks, everything clicks in 2019, and how to move forward, the role of the quality reader guidelines and links and technical SEO in ranking now and going forward, plus what you can learn from Google when designing and creating content for your site. I am your host, Morty Overseen, and I am joined by the affable, the versatile, Sapir Carabello. Hello, Morty. Hello, Sapir. <laughs> Welcome to our 50th episode. Oh, wow. 50? That's insane. Wow, it is it insane. It feels like 500, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. But it's 50. Can you believe it? That's crazy. Uh, first up, before I thank you, our lovely audience, for listening for 50 episodes, <laughs> I have to apologize. I have a horrible, horrible cold. You do? I, can b- I can't smell anything. I can barely breathe, and I'm pretty sure I sound like Bob Dylan. Hey, how's it going? Yeah. No, you sound sound just as usual. Not good, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for that. Um, I do have a horrible cold, so pardon me in advance. Okay, so it's our 50th episode, and because it's 50, we have a special giveaway for our lovely audience. Oh. Yes. Should you tweet out any In Search SEO podcast episode this week? Yeah. With the hashtag, hashtag in search SEO 50, the number 50, mm-hmm. we will put you in the running to receive one of six beautifully designed Rank Ranger posters. I helped design. You did help did, design. Yeah. They look awesome, by the way. Yeah. They are so cool. They are. They're not very like Rank Ranger promotional. <laughs> so don't think, oh, we're going to get a big poster of Rank Ranger on. No, it's totally not. Like really cool stuff. Like it's all fun and games until it's you. It's really funny. Yeah. Like, really good stuff. Really yeah. funny jokes. Like, rank my day. Whatever it is. <laughs> um, so, again, hashtag insearch SEO 50. No retweets. They don't count. Likes, they don't count. Comments, they don't count. You have to put out a tweet, mm-hmm. you know, promoting our podcast <laughs> because that's what's in it for us. Right. With the hashtag insearch SEO 50, and you get a poster or you're in the running for a poster, and that's what's in it for you. That's so, great. That's, that's perfect for everybody. <laughs> okay. Uh, do not forget, we put out a new episode of the InSearch SEO podcast each and every Tuesday. You can find it on Stitcher. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it on SoundCloud. You can find it, of course, on the Rink Ranger blog. And you may subscribe on iTunes. And that hurt because I can't breathe. <laughs> breathe, oh, Morty. Breathe. I have to cough. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. uh, also, do not forget, our marketing dashboards have gotten released with all new beautifully designed templates they look really hot mm-hmm. they do they do. um they are downright beautiful and they make it easy for you to create all sorts of data reporting dashboards where you can literally add whatever data you want videos forms notes it's an all-in-one automated marketing data report that costs a heck of a lot less than you think it does right uh, so head over to the rank ranger homepage, click on features and you'll see all of our white label options under white label and you'll see the marketing dashboard listed there click on it beautiful new templates check them out they're awesome use them great 
Okay, so great show for you today. The wonderfully, wonderful Ross Tavendale talked to us about um, what's been going on in SEO, where things are headed, uh, as we're getting kind of close to the ending of 2019 and the beginning of 2020. So, wow. Yeah. That's oh, yeah, we have to say insane. that, right? Wow. Oh, my God. No, I went by so fast. <gasps> Holy cow. Oh, my gosh. Whatever. Come no, on. No, seriously. We say that every year. 2019 just passed so quickly. I don't pay attention to time. Oh, my God. Which is why, why my wife says, you're always late. I hate people who are always late. That makes a lot of sense why we're so good together. Yeah. <laughs> Opposites attract. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay, so before we get into that, I know we all complain about Google stealing traffic from us and Google taking this from us and Google taking that from us, which is why I think it's about time we steal something from Google. What? Yes. Okay, so let's head back to SEO school for some real learning. <laughs> Okay, so Sapir. Yeah. Um, do you play the stock market? Do I look like I play the stock market? Yes. In your business suit that you're wearing right now? With your sporty blazer? No, nah, I'm not much of a risk taker. Okay. I mean, either I suck at playing the stock market. Um, if you know where I should invest my money and I won't lose my shirt, so reach out to me. I'm happy to hear ideas because I know what the hell I'm doing. That said... <laughs> Did you know that Expedia stock took a hard and heavy hit on November 7th that it did not recover from as of the recording of this podcast? Seriously? Yes. And this is an SEO podcast and we're talking about this. Why? Yeah. Yeah, because. Because. Um, much of the speculation, like MarketWatch put out a whole article about how the reason why Expedia lost its stock the way it did, well, part of the reason is due to Google and the advent of Google travel website oh wow not just search features google has a whole travel website right right you go to google.travel slash i can't talk i have a cold <laughs> google.com um, slash flights or google.com slash hotels whatever it is and you'll get taken to this whole the mecca of travel sites mecca of travel sites okay, it's oh, a, I like right, that. yeah it's yeah. good that's what google said <laughs> the mecca of travel sites yes yeah. okay so um there's a ton of easy to access information there in fact Local SEO expert and friend of the In Search SEO podcast. Aww. Yes, he's a good friend of ours, Sergey Alikov. You have friends. Yeah, like on Twitter, though. <laughs> 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 um, he discovered all new filters within the hotel sec section of Google's um, travel site. So it's up here in a totally unscripted manner. Totally unscripted. <laughs> Please tell the good folks at home what they've won with these new filters. So there are three new filters on Google's travel site. They are called where to stay, when to visit, and where, what you'll pay. Ah, and, and again, an unscripted moment. Uh, what might users find here with these filters? I am so glad you asked, Morty. Yes. So users can find the top areas to stay in a city, how much hotels are in that area, what attractions are in that area, they can learn when a city is more or less popular with tourists and the weather during each month of the year, as well as the cost of hotels in the location per star rating. Wow, that is so much information. As expected of Google. Easy to access information, easy to digest information, easy in every way, and don't take that the wrong way. <laughs> oh uh, my God. Okay. So good job, Google. Well done. I guess you win. Let's just sit here for like a couple of minutes and, and bitch and moan. About what Google's done, how they're stealing traffic, how they're stealing this. Let's fetch for a while. Fetch is Yiddish for bitch and moan. Mm -hmm. uh, in case you don't know, or you don't speak Yiddish, which I don't. I just know a couple of curse words and some weird words to my grandparents. <laughs> um, and, and let's just sit here for like a millennia, okay, and yell and scream about what Google has done and how it's stealing everything from us. 
You do that all the time. Yes. Okay. I don't really mean we, I'm being this time I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. This time I mean like, <laughs> how about we don't do that? Okay. And we actually learn from what Google did here and steal for ourselves. I'm calling nine one one. Why? To report to you. I don't understand. <laughs> oh, you're making a joke. I get it. Because I'm stealing. So I don't know if you ever had this experience. Idiot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you ever had this experience. When I write feature pages or landing pages or whatever it is, mm-hmm. okay, I, I always end up, and it's not because I'm, I am a slight perfectionist. It's just because I don't feel solid about it no matter what I do. But I never feel like, wow, I really nailed it. This was the perfect way to disseminate information to the user. Hmm. This is the best functionality. This is the best information. This is the best way to do this. I always feel like something's just, there's a piece missing. And I think Google filled in that piece for us. Oh. Yeah, and I think we should steal it. (laughs) Because why not? (laughs) No, why reinvent the wheel? Just take what Google did and do it yourself. Because it got me thinking that maybe the way we think of a web page, it's UI, it's UX. Pardon me while I clear my throat. throat) I'm sorry about that. Um, that the UI and the UX is a bit outdated and that Google's got a new take on things that sort of make a little bit more sense. Okay. Okay. So let me try to spell this out, um, what Google's done with their web page filters and, and why I think it works and why I think we just steal it, okay? Now, by the way, this applies to other um, Google properties. Google has a great college searcher SERP feature where you can go through and filter through colleges and pick out the colleges on mobile. So I'm not talking about just the, pra- the travel site when I talk about this, but let's just use the travel site for a moment and let's use the new filters. So again, the new filters, like Sapir already told you, um, that let's just run it through a little bit. Okay, let's say I'm looking to go to New York. Okay. And I don't want to stay, um, I don't want to stay in Chelsea. Um, I don't want to stay in the West Side, Upper West Side. Uh, I want to stay in Midtown. So Google will let you choose which area you want to stay in and it'll show you on a map where that area is and what fe- what attractions are there and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. Really easy to pick the exact area you want to stay. Google will also let you say, I don't like tourists. I'm from New York. I hate tourists. Freaking tourists. <laughs> Give a walk through Times Square. Freaking tourists. Okay? I don't want to go when there's a lot of tourists. Google will tell me. Not very popular right now. Perfect. It'll tell me the price of when it's not popular. It'll tell me the weather for each month. I get some lot of really good information. And on top of that, Google will let me know. Uh, if I want to stay at a five-star hotel, how much it'll typically cost me? Okay, forget that four-star. Forget that three-star. Forget that one-star. Okay? And so it's a lot of really easy-to-access information in these filters right there for you. Okay, so that's really important to notice because it's information right off the bat. In order to get that information, you really have to enter the city and make like maybe like one click in the area. Actually, no clicks, right? You'll see the areas in the neighborhoods that you want to stay in right there. You just have to enter the city and that you get all this information right off the bat. As opposed to the typical travel site, the Skyscanner. Not to pick on Skyscanner, just the one I went to recently. You have to first start, you, you have to first enter a lot of information to get any information. And I know it may sound like, oh, it's just a couple of things. You have the flight, the date, you want this, you want that, you want this. But without giving the user anything, it's a lot, to add. It's a lot of work. It is, right? I, I personally find it annoying to fill all that stuff in, but not with Google. I'm happy to click on whatever Google wants me to click on next. Whatever filter you want me to add in, you want me to put, you know, put down how many people are staying, the dates I'm staying, okay, fine, I'm happy to because you already gave me a ton of information. Mm. And it's a high quality, authoritative information. I'm happy to do a little bit of work to get more of that. Okay, that is lesson number one that we should steal from Google. Give information off the bat. If you're using filters or whatever, 
give information, make it like, you know, enter one little thing, click one little checkbox, and then get information and then let them fill in more more boxes and click check more things afterwards. Because Google's brilliant here. You're giving them tons of information and then you're asking the user to do some work. So why aren't we doing that? We should be doing that. We should steal that from Google. That's one. Now, two is you're going to be saying to me, well, Morty, I am not a, a, a search tool. My website, I, you can't search for flights with my website. I offer accounting software. <laughs> and I'll say to you, how boring. Oh, because oh, I don't <laughs> like accounting. I had to learn accounting for a job I had like a long time ago. Oh, died. I learned it during my BA and MBA. So bad. So okay, but let's say let's take an accounting site, and I actually went around to a bunch of different accounting software sites, and guess what I found? Hmm. I found what you see in every freaking website. Okay, you go to the homepage, you see you know uh, a header, you know some bullet points or a short paragraph in a CTA, describing all different aspects of the of the software, and I find that unexciting and undynamic, which is by the way that's my feeling when I write a feature page, which I don't like doing, but I do a lot of. Um, I find it like what just like it's missing that like something that like connects with the user. It's not there. I'm just offering. I'm just describing my product, and we all fall into this trap. Mm-hmm. We use our feature pages or our homepage, especially, um, just to describe. And we talk all about us and what we do, or what our company is, or what our software is, or whatever we do with our website. It's very us focused, mm-hmm. and it's very undynamic, and it's very boring. Okay, what did Google do here with their website? Before you get to any of the listings. Okay, before, before you actually you type in New York and you have a whole bunch of hotel listings, okay, you don't see that initially. I don't really think it shows above the fold on their travel website, at least not on desktop where I've used it. I haven't used it on mobile. What do they start off with? They start off with um, information and these filters are there right away. Right. And, it's, and what does it do? It's letting the consumer decide what's important to them about this product or about this service or whatever it is, and letting the consumer go on a journey to get more information on that specific product. I only want hotels in this area. I only want hotels in this month. I only want this star hotel. Before I actually see hotels, Google's letting the user decide what their journey should look like. And that's brilliant. So when we have these home pages, and we're all guilty of this, I, I want to call it guilt. Okay, it's just what we do. We focus on showcasing the product and on telling the user what the product is. Now, here's a crazy assertion. Okay, crazy assertion. I would say by the time that most folks get to your page, your homepage, let's say, they have an idea of what you offer already. And if not, you can get that done real quick. But imagine that instead of focusing on the product, you primarily focus on the user. And outside of a bit of, you know, what you do, what your website does, a little blurb here, whatever it is, you started to give the user access to the information that lets them start their own journey through your product right away. Okay. So how would that look here with an accounting software? So a user gets to the site, okay? And they, and they see a blurb about who you are and what you do and whatever, whatever. But immediately after that, they get some sort of option or some sort of functionality. And there's a million ways you can do this. That gives them a bit of info or lets them select... Um, something that speaks to their particular use type. So that could be for accounting software, right? You might see an option. You might show information based on different user types, you know, small business, individual taxpayer, like I'm using your software just for my own personal tax returns or I'm a large corporation or a filter that automatically comes up and says, okay, um, see more information if you are a small business 
see more information on our product if you are a large corporation or see more information uh, if you are using our software for your individual purposes. Whatever it is, some sort of in either information or some sort of option that lets them, uh, that leads them rather to get more information on that specific aspect of your product. In other words, just like Google, offer the user a way to see information for their specific profile right away. Right? You may want to start um, whatever it is, okay? Like with Google, okay? They start you off, you can select where, which neighborhood you want or which star rating you want or which month you might want to stay. Boom, okay? Google has it for you right away. You know, you may not care about that. In other words, just like Google, offer the user a way to see specific information on that specific profile right away. Like for what Google does, right? You might want to see information based on neighborhood. Or you forget neighborhood. You might want to see information based on star rating. Google lets you pick what sort of hotels you want to see before you ever see the hotels. Mm -hmm. Before you start showing off your software, in this particular case, your accounting software case, we do this, we do that, we do this. Let the user tell you who they are and then show them specific information based on them telling you who they are. It's something that you know we don't do with our home pages, with our particularly, but it makes so much sense. It's right off the bat. You're letting the user tell you, "This is what I want from you. I don't want to figure out where you have this information. Just give me what I want that's particular to me." Right off the bat, get it to me. Imagine if you did that with your website. How powerful that would be. Do you think it's applicable to to any website? Any website, okay. whatever information, a blog, a news website. I don't want to see this. I don't want to, let's say you could CBS, right? Hmm. Let me set up a profile. I don't want to see, you know, uh, you know, stock news or financial news. I want to see just world news. Let me select what I want. I don't have to go through tabs or look through this, look through that. Let me set up what I want and let me choose for what I want. Show me what I want. I mean, it would look different for, and different for, you'd have to be creative in how you do this for all different types of sites. But just like we were particular in targeting our audience with ads or targeting our audience with whatever social media, whatever it is. So be particular in how you target your audience with the pages they first get to. Makes sense. Yeah, okay. interesting. So speaking of all that Google does, let's pivot ever so gently over to Ross Tavendale and his thoughts on what Google has been doing in 2019 and into 2020. Cut one. Welcome to another InSearch SEO podcast interview exclusive today. Very familiar face in the SEO industry, speaks at conferences worldwide, hosts webinars, and he is the host of the Canonical Chronicle and also the managing director of Type A Media. He is Ross Tavendale. How are you? Hey, Marty. I'm doing good. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for having me on and well done and be able to pronounce Canonical Chronicle first time. It's I, it's not the first time. I've practiced this a couple of times before we before we did this because like that's a tongue twister, my friend. Definitely, is. it's designed to be deliberately a little bit uh, silly. That's our whole brand ethos. It's like silly up front, but once you scratch the surface, we're actually quite a serious organization. <laughs> you're, you're targeting people with speech impediments, basically. It's essentially, yeah, right. we can uh, be be better through ridiculous words. Right. <laughs> okay, so. Let's talk about we're getting into 2020. I can't believe the year is almost over. So let's take a look back at some of the things that have happened uh, in SEO that sort of shook things up a little bit. And I guess let me just start off um, getting your take. What what was worth noting? What's not worth noting when you look back at 2019? Yeah, so one of the big ones, obviously, Google just stopped using links altogether in the algorithm. Oh, wait a minute. Oh. They absolutely <laughs> did not. And they still... <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> and they still... 
but but Link. but but no one cares about links anymore because Google has machine learning, which I of am a big course, fan of. All that, right, and all that NLP stuff and all the Bert stuff. Bert. That's what, um, yeah, they they kind of they they painted themselves into a corner in quite a big way with uh, all of the no follow stuff over the last kind of three or so years, and then they kind of reneged on that, and they've now looked at. Uh, different ways of marking up links to understand if they're sponsored or if they're user-generated content and things like that. I think they're having a real big problem with the link graph. The machine learning part that's kicked in is obviously having quite a large impact um, on the SERPs. Um, the interesting thing, though, is it looks like they're testing it, clearing the cache, testing it and clearing the cache because we're seeing extreme volatility. And also to get onto that first position, uh, or sorry, page one, should I say, to get the machine learning really properly kicking in for you, um, you still need a bunch of traditional factors to get you to where you're you're going. 2019 has seen, uh, seen loads of clients with extreme impression increases in Search Console, but clicks not following because of all these zero-click SERP events. Rand Fishkin and SparkToro have done some very interesting uh, work on that. Uh, the difference between mobile and desktop, I read your piece on uh, featured snippets that you've done. I oh, actually flattered. featured it in the Canonical Chronicle. I'm flattered. Fascinating. Yeah, it's very cool wanna, stuff. Do you want to talk over that? Because I think that that's Yeah, actually, let's, we could definitely go over that. The difference that was a, between mobile and desktop. Yeah, that was a really, really annoying study, by the way, to do. It was just, yeah, okay. it's just really annoying. But okay, uh, quick summary. I'm trying to remember the details of this. Oh boy, I have a terrible memory. But basically, it turns out that if you win a feature snippet on desktop, it's not necessarily a case that you're going to win on a mobile. Um, for example, um, considering we looked at a 30-day period and we, we checked you know, each day versus for all the you know, 250 keywords that we looked at, um, what the scoring was for each day. And there were days where there was a desktop feature snippet, but not a mobile feature snippet. So when you include days where there's a, a feature snippet on one device, but nothing on the other device, which is weird in and of itself, you have a 30% um, schism between desktop and mobile. Okay, once you take those instances out and all you have and all you're looking at are cases where there was a desktop URL and there was a mobile URL, those URLs didn't match 10% of the time. And it really depends how you look at this because I spoke to a few people, Nigel Stevens, Izzy Smith about this, and you could look at it as, wow, 10%, that's it. That's a very narrow gap. Or when I spoke to Stefan Spencer about this, he was like, 10%, that's an enormous gap. I would imagine they would be the same. And I have to, my, my personal take is I go with the latter. If you're dealing with something, let's say, like a commerce query, I, I would understand why mobile would be different than desktop. I personally don't buy things on mobile. I'm, I'm scared. I want to see the whole picture, right? So I don't want to, I feel limited by my mobile device, fine. But feature snippets are informational. So then what's really the difference? Yeah, it's a big head scratcher for me as well. So Combined, I would say the amount of kind of impressions and clicks we can look at on all of our client data is up into the, the, the billions and billions of clicks every month. So we're really lucky to be able to have a, a large amount of click stream data to look at. Now, we've always broke out mobile and desktop reporting, but we actually found a considerably larger amount than 10%. We were closer to 30% discrepancy, right. which would explain a lot of the impression. Like clients are looking at top line impression growth but no following clicks. And I'm like, well, A, we need to start categorizing all this stuff by the intent. Uh, and then we need to start breaking it by device type. And it's just, it's shockingly different. Mm -hmm. So you're getting things like on a desktop result, 
you're going to get, which let's say does have the featured snippet, which is nine times out of ten they have more than mobile. Yeah, which is weird, by the way. Yeah, right. Um, you'll get your imp- your impressions will go up, your average position will be higher, your clicks will be lower. Weird. Yeah. And then okay, on mobile, thing, okay. the impressions will be slightly higher, the clicks will be up. Okay. But your average position will be lower. And you're just like, wait, what? Average position <laughs> lower, clicks higher. It just makes zero sense. And that's at scale. You're just like, oh, my God. Then you're speaking to a client who kind of gets SEO, but not really trying to explain this phenomenon. You're like, I give up. <laughs> <laughs> the, so you're saying you see less you see less feature snippet clicks on desktop? Mm-hmm. Uh, makes I've always been sense. really anti-featured snippets. Me and too. Oh, I'm not, okay. This In is a the sense. thing. Like, our, our entire industry just create, uh, they dig their own graves and, and create ropes to hang themselves just so we can get some tiny little wins. So this is like spineless account managers working at uh, SEO agencies who have real trouble explaining things to clients um, in kind of direct ways. And they're just looking for the small, because SEO is hard and it takes a long time. So they just want any little quick win to show that the work we're doing is actually having a positive effect. So we'll mark everything up as Google asked us, and then what do they do? They rip our information, they surface it in the, the SERP, and they don't give us the click. Oh, okay, is that good? Well, no, it's I, good I for your brand. It's good for your brand. That's why I I get that. I get that argument. To me, that feels like, okay, there is a va- it's, not, it's not valueless, and I do get that, and if you get it, then wonderful. But to say that, okay, a feature is still a win because – my brand is being featured so prominently feels to me like a way to make ourselves feel better. Like I didn't get the click. I put all that effort into getting the feature snippet. So I got to, I got to make myself feel like there was something to doing all of this. But your brand isn't being featured prominently. Your result no. that's attached. Right. To your brand You're in a URL. Prominently. You're in a URL. Not, not even a URL. So that's their thing. So they're completely removing the URLs. From right. That, on mobile. Well. Right. It's just, yeah. it's just keywords. And yeah. you're just like, well, my brand is my, values my logo my color palette my, my whole thing you're getting a blue link not even a blue link anymore you're getting words on a page and a result so the, the whole being brandable i know you've got favicons and things like that so there is some semblance of brand but yeah but favicons to me by the way only help if you're a big brand like if, if, if i rec- right. if i recognize your let's say let's say i'm doing a search on mobile okay and and on the results pages you know, a logo I'm really familiar with and a logo I'm not really familiar with. So now instead of looking at the title and the description, I'm just going to click on the logo I know. So that sucks for smaller Absolutely. brands. It, it'll, it'll completely decimate them. So, I mean, yes, it means that all the old school rules apply, making sure that you've got good titles and compelling descriptions in order to get the click. Um, but, yeah, I'm very against the featured snippets thing today. So I'm, I, I try new diet fads all the time, and I find myself doing it now. I literally typed in like R Oats Paleo and it answered it straight away and I didn't click on anything. And <laughs> that's quite a that's quite a valuable SERP for whoever's information was ripped. And right. I, you know something? I've got no idea what the brand was or the website yeah, exactly. was that gave me that information. 100%. I just know that Google gave it to me. That's it. But it's what it's really all about. It's all about Google having authority. Google is now the provider of all information. Wow, I'm never going to go to Bing because Google is so authoritative. Look at all the things they give me. And there's a great piece of which I, I've, struggle to remember who actually put it out but it was on twitter oh I, I really want to remember it. i'll try and remember it for the end of the the show but um google's trying to actively remove the the url and just stop sharing urls as a partner behavior and just have it as search and you're like well that's pretty pretty awful 
And I'm getting to the point where even as a search professional, I'm taking active steps to stop the sharing of information to and from that organization just because it's so mm. pervasive and I think it's just so bad for us as a you know consultancy, as a department, as a cohort of people practicing in search, but also just wider as a community is just yeah I'm, I'm getting a little I had a great uh, thing I read from Aaron Wall from SEO book yeah, yeah sure I uh, highly recommend you check out that latest post the guy has been on the anti-google oh you know I saw thing, he posted something I didn't see it yet as we're recording it by the time we, this episode goes out I'll read it yes what do you say I'm sorry yeah yeah it's so it's so cool he's talking about like the divergence of a result and a and an ad um, and how they're actually putting things up but I don't think being, uh, to use a very American phrase, being Debbie Downer about everything <laughs> is going to help anyone. We still need to rank. We still need to drive traffic. And we still need to get clients' results. Uh, on that, though, so I have a, I have a, um, a bold theory about this. And you can feel free to disagree with me because I, I get it's a little um, maybe upsetting. I think the era of, of top-level content is dead. In other words, I compare it to like um, when Napster came out and then you, have, you had legitimately with iTunes where – the the music the money in music wasn't in 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 albums anymore it became touring because who needs an album I'm just gonna download a song here and there and the, the, the same kind of money I sort of feel we're at the point where there's a natural evolution in content and it is what it is and just do what Google can't do like if you're gonna have a site that's gonna offer me the temperature outside well Google can do that but Google can't show me trends and analysis and whatnot that deeper sort of information that search is not built for so okay I give up. You take the direct answer and I'll focus on something else. Yeah, I think it's the, the value add is where you've got to focus now. And looking at things that you, you can't just answer it in one shot. And the thing is, if you can answer it in one shot, this is the other thing. For all those things that can be answered immediately in a featured snippet, to rank for that, what you were doing previously was you were creating a 2000 word article to rank for that and putting the answer at the bottom, right. <laughs> which is actually a bad user experience. Yes. But that's the place Google forced us to go because perhaps the algorithms weren't quite evolved enough to know the exact bit of the text. And of course now we do. Cindy Crumb's done some amazing work on something she calls fraggles, yes. which are fragments of articles and things like that. And they, they categorically know the exact bit of information, but, in order to game the algorithm, which is what we all do, we need these big, insane articles to to rank. Now, they've just kind of taken that out completely. So the way in which SEOs are looking to now properly optimize is actually through real user intent and real yeah. user journey, which used to be a bit of a dirty word. It was just like, get uh, words on the page that are related to the core query and then build some links and, and we're off to the races. Now that doesn't really matter. And going for, I suppose you'd call them informational head terms when it's like, I need to satisfy one immediate, if the query can be satisfied by a single sentence, don't try and write for it. Yeah, no, 100%. I was just speaking to technical writers about this. I said like your featured snippet of content is great because if you're going to have a whole document about you know, how to install whatever software, and there's 30 different steps. So Google will show me eight of them in the feature snippet, but I'm still going to click on that URL because I'm going to want to see the whole thing. So I think there are verticals where it does still work and it is still advantageous. But for the most part, if you're going to offer top-level content and Google's going to show it in the feature snippet, and by the way, I think why you're getting less clicks, at least on desktop, is I did a study a while ago, those paragraph feature snippets are getting shorter, meaning they're getting more refined, more targeted. Google's exactly what should be in there, what shouldn't be in there. 
I don't need to click anymore because it's really precise. So then don't do that. It doesn't make any sense. Don't fight. You can't fight City Hall kind of thing. Yeah, it's a very nice phrase for it. You can't fight City Hall. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a very good point. Flags within Chrome as well, taking people to the exact part of the, yeah. the document. Uh, I've seen it a lot in video content where they're answering questions by looking at the exact point in the video where the person mentions the thing. Yep. It won't work for the Canonical Chronicle because I have a Scottish accent. And <laughs> Good for you. Piece to text Good isn't for you. great for me. Um, but um, yeah, it's, there, there's a lot of that. That instant answer thing. That sucks, by the way. In 2019. Because those ads that you, you, the promotion that you do in the beginning that someone's paying you to do, it's mm. going to be skipped right over. Very true. But then people will, will always find a way. Like SEOs are like cockroaches. Like we'll survive <laughs> every single nuclear right. bomb detonation that Google threw at us and then we'll just keep on moving. And keep that's on amazing. Moving. So that's been 2019 for me. Wow. Um, the speed that's thing a year. Has been, been a, a bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. The speed one has been a big one. Um, I, I made a joke about links actually at the start. Um, that's not changed. Just the way in which we build links is kind of slightly changed i'm seeing a lot of we've done a lot of regional pr so we create you know a piece of data journalism that look you could cut it by region and town and city so that we could have multiple bites of the cherry on the outreach um, i'm seeing a lot of local press now completely change their outbound linking policy so now before we do any outreach the first thing we do is put our target websites even if they're massive domains into Ahrefs to get all the outbound links. And if there, if there is no outbound links, which is the case for, certainly in the UK, for about 40% of all regional media now, which is insane, uh, we don't talk to them. Wow. Which I feel they're shooting themselves in the foot by cutting the supply of content to regional places who don't get content anyway. But yeah, that's another biggie. And obviously speed. Speed. Um, I want to ask you about links because you mentioned it before also. You said the guy right, links are still a thing, but do you ever feel like, well, maybe at one point, at some point, they won't be a thing? I let me qualify because I know that sounds a little bit insane. Links are not a direct ranking factor. I mean, not a direct signal, rather. Misspoke, right? They, they speak to what might be authoritative, but they don't actually intrinsically understand the content. If Google's integrating all these things to help understand content, bird and rank brain and neural matching and and the topic layer, all these different things. At some point, they are, and they are getting better. They're going to get better to the point that you think they'll get better to the point where we'll still use links, obviously, but we don't have to rely on them to such an extent. Yeah, I mean, I think entity authority is going to be a, a big thing. So we've seen this already um, quite a bit. If you look at any major player in the SERPs, if you go to Wikidata, drop their brand in and see all of the databases that reference them in some sort of structured way without links, uh, that's got a massive part to play. If you see anything with the knowledge panel and inspect element, you'll see a number which is U slash then a string. That's their old Freebase ID, which mm -hmm. Google obviously bought, which is now powering a lot of the Wikidata stuff. And that's the thread that connects all these different databases up. Now, there's no reason why you can't start looking at mainstream media as a database. And because they can understand entities in text much better, there's no reason why they can't start looking at an unlinked mention of an entity in a newspaper, in a magazine, and start using that as waiting. Um, yeah, I mean, and actually, John Mueller said that they, they do they actually do, yeah. use that, mm -hmm. not as a page rank thing or as a power thing, but to understand more about brand signals. So it's just getting more complicated. Will links go away completely in 2020? No. no. 
will he go away over the next five to ten years? Again, probably not. I think it's very telling that they're asking people to mark up links differently because they rely so heavily on the link graph just because the flow of information and the amount of pages being published in the index is so high that it's too hard to police properly. So the link thing is unlikely to go away. By the way, what what was up with that whole, okay, no follows or not really no follows. Now they might be a hint. I understand. Like, I mean, Do you really think the whole issue was there's so many um, so many publishers automatically no following that their link graph really had a hole in it? It's hard. I have a hard time with it a little bit only because let's say you're CNN. Right? So you're linking to how many times are you linking to a given page where – let me rephrase that. Okay, I'm, I'm, a, I'm website X. CNN links to me. Um, Joe's Coffee Shop links to me. So if CNN's not linking to me, there are still links pointing to me outside of news organizations. There, So let's break out um, the page rank from a kind of trust rank if there is such a thing. Getting right, it's the whole gangster problem. So <clears throat> if you're a gangster in the neighborhood, you do not have a money or a power problem. You have a trust problem. Right. And if you look at the, a lot of people in the SEO world to use links to manipulate, a lot of us do not have money problems and we do not have power problems. We have trust problems. So we're not going to rank for certain things if we're not close to a trusted seed set of websites like CNN, Wikipedia, etc. Now, if all of that stuff uh, starts to become no follow, it's very hard to differentiate what is actually good quality and a vote of confidence and what is their comments or what is things that they don't trust or UGC or, or whatever. Now, they can just make a rule for these big sites and say, well, it doesn't matter. These parts of HTML on the CNN website, if there's links contained inside of that, we'll treat that differently. There's only so much bandwidth that they have as a company to do that. And as new websites come into the fold, like the, the media landscape is just, it's changing to such an extreme. And I, I don't think I need to tell you about the absolute, I was going to say a bad word there, okay. uh, poor quality of websites inside of Google News, as well as some of the bigger ones. In fact, they even struggle to prioritize what is the original source of oh, news it's such, it's such and a, what is syndication. Whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah, they've painted themselves into a corner there. By the way, if you do a search for something like, I don't know, big news, breaking news, important news, they're still relying on the title for that. So you'll find something from like, I don't know, like Nowheresville, the Nowheresville Times showing up instead of CNN because they use the word breaking news in the title. It's really a joke. Yeah, and there's a lot of that. And it's just because there is so much new content being produced on a daily basis that it's so hard to... Um, police. And that's one of the things people don't realize. The amount of queries that Google's never seen before is going up and up and up. And that's not because we're getting more sophisticated as searchers. It is a little bit to do with it. Uh, it's mostly to do with the fact that news events have never happened before and right. the way in which words are put together has, has never happened before. That's a good point. So that's a lot of why what BERT will, I'm sure, be, be used for is actually putting that together. On, on, on that I find it funny. Let me ask you, do you find it funny that, okay, so CNN, fine, we're going to follow the link, but why does it have to, now you have, you can follow it, no problem, but why do you have to consider my usage of the link as um, as an endorsement at the same time? There's why is it part of my, my linking, my, my ranking juice now? Those are two separate parts of the process that don't necessarily have to follow. Well, the thing is they want to get you into a consideration set in some way. So for every query, there's a bunch of URLs in the consideration set. So how do you get into the consideration set? It's kind of like, why would you ask people to have a, a degree in this day and age before you interview them? Well, it helps them get in the consideration set because 
it's just an easy thing to lock onto mm. before we can put some rigor towards it. Now, in Google's world now, the rigor is machine learning, which is just user interaction. So if the query has enough volume, it's relatively easy to get a good cert there because you've got a lot of people testing out your cert for you across multi-devices, multiple locations, et cetera, et cetera. If it's a smaller query, though, it's way, way harder. And if it's a question that's got multiple answers, to, which mean different things to different people, even hard, in fact, impossible. So then it just goes down to pe like personal search history and things like that. Right. So the link helps you get into a consideration set. And then it's very much up to what they're seeing people interact with. I think. I, right. That's, I mean, that's what, the, uh, what, do, what do you think? Right. I mean, I personally, on the interaction thing, are you referring to the, the conspiracy theory that Google's looking at things like bounce rate? No. Okay. So I just want to make sure I'm okay, clear about it. All right. I, I think that, well, so my original point of why, why Google is, is considering you part of your link juice and, and not necessarily just following it and not considering part of your, your profile, I have a theory about that. Um, I think they're doing it because, and again, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah, you get to be part of the consideration. It's all part of the same process. Like, I understand. I think they're doing it because they don't like no follow altogether intrinsically. They have a whole, like, these, again, crazy theory. I don't think they like no follow because no follow doesn't make sense when you think about it. There's either I follow it or I don't follow it. There's why do I have to create this quasi sort of association for it? If I think it's valuable, then I should link to it. If I don't think it's valuable, then I shouldn't link to it. So to have the idea of a no-follow altogether, it does make sense in certain cases, I understand. But as a general rule, if you think about it from their, their perspective at least, it doesn't really make so much sense to have it. So if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna do this and you're gonna say, okay, fine, you know what? We're gonna try to get rid of no-follow. We're gonna try to clean up the link graph by telling you to you're only going to link naturally now when you consider the link to be valuable and worthy. Because hey, you never know, Google might be following this and might count towards my ranking juice. If they're doing that, and if that's the case of what's happening, the the idea the idea of using the no follow the idea of using the no follow link is gonna be is gonna be totally different. It's gonna be a totally different construct. You're gonna way you're gonna use it, way you're gonna go about it is totally different. So to, to sort of circumvent you using the no follow link and saying, okay, fine, it might be a hint, great, yeah, but it's also gonna be part of your ranking juice. So don't think you can use this. It'll will follow it. And whatnot, fine, but we're also going to count it on you as, a, as sort of a check in the system, right? If you're going to use a nofollow link, fine, but now there's a consequence to using it. I would call it almost like a penalty yeah. in a way, but a nice backhanded soft slap in the face. Well, it's kind of, they're, they're kind of outsourcing competency to website owners, but the, the problem is that there's no set of instructions about what competent looks like and it means completely different things to completely different yeah but you sort of know so, if you're looking at a page you're like i don't know i maybe know you may know. you maybe know but does the gent is like does your grandmother know my grandmother nope. knows nothing about this <laughs> that makes yeah, it fun you know, my grandmother uses bing because that's what happens when you use microsoft edge that's it yeah so the, there's the old joke of like the only people that use bing are old people using microsoft edge because oh, they came true. to their computer and they don't know how to change it that's true I don't know any of the data, and I know this is totally anecdotal, but that's a million percent true. Which I don't actually believe. So, like that's <laughs> uh, with all those old, with all those old people, like that's just learned uh, learned helplessness. So, what I like to do when I go to my grandparents' house is I'll put their homepage instead of Bing, I'll put it to Pornhub, and you can sure as hell uh, they'll, they'll work. 
he'll work out how to get it back to Kindle. It's all just pretend. See, my grandmother was keep searching, not realizing what's happening, and then the results you would get back would be quite interesting. <laughs> right. That's why they keep complaining about the youth of today because of the bad search results. <laughs> That's what it is. And and hooking the grandma up with Pornhub. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> I don't know where to go from here now. Uh, wait, let's keep talking about news. So the original reporting thing is interesting, right? You mentioned that like, Google has a hard time understanding what's really original, and that's because of the canonical, right? So um, Reuters puts out a piece. Um, I don't know, CBS News, ABC News, CNN, whatever it is, they also pick up the piece, and they canonical to themselves. So I've seen cases, I'm Ali Berry from The Motley Fool was complaining about this. I'm Egal Stopler from Investing.com was complaining about this, where they put out a piece. It's syndicated, and because of the way the other science of syndication sites are using the canonical, Google's confused. That makes me confused because Google's a car that, and Google's a car. Google's a, a search engine that can create a self-driving car, but it can't figure out who the original source of the content is. It's a little bit bizarre. They should just they should stop using APIs when use all together and just do what Bing do with the the API. Just API in all the content like that would solve a lot of problems. They have something called News API, which they've used right, to right. screen scrape people's information, put it in a structured um, way. So why don't they just start setting up custom like APIs in? So instead of doing it through sitemaps or doing it through crawling, just API in with submission dates. Like it's pretty simple. Right. Well, there's timestamp anyway. The problem is. It is timestamped. It's timestamped. I actually asked, as I asked Ali Berry, so when you put out an article, how quickly is it syndicated? It's like instantaneous where Google will have no idea who had it first based upon when it was when it was put out there. She said, no, what usually happens is the syndication site is going to look at the content and then make a decision process. They don't syndicate everything we put out. They syndicate this story, but not that story. Because of that decision process, there's like a couple of minutes delay between when the original source puts it out and when the syndication picks it up, so why not just use a timestamp? Unless you're so worried that CNN is going to manipulate the timestamp. Well, not even that they're going to manipulate the, the timestamp. If Google's looking at identical information, then they need some other metrics to work out who is the authority. Like it the might author. Be whenever they discovered it, it might be the author. Right, it might right be but the author, author says, the author says Reuters, which is the best part about that. When they syndicate the content, it's in there, right? They, it, but you know, Reuters, isn't an author. Reuters isn't an author, it's an, orig an originator. So I wonder if as part of the algorithm, because they can't attach it to a human who is part of the, as an entity in right. their, their knowledge graph, and it's just Reuters, they're like, uh, doesn't compute, therefore look to the next one, it's someone from like the Oklahoma press or whatever the right. hell is Well, they don't know who up. they are to begin with. Right. Yeah. There's got to be a better way to figure this. If they wanted to, they could figure it out. That's what makes me upset about this a little I bit. I think the only reason they're doing it is because of money. So I guarantee that because they rely so much on these publishers putting uh, AdSense banners and GDN display stuff all over their site, when they get upset, those are their customers, yep. really. Like, that's their ad inventory. And you've got big media companies um, who usually – media buying companies who usually own that relationship. We used to give them 20% on the back end and do all sorts of back – back channel deals google don't do those back channel deals with them so they've got to keep them happy yeah. so if they're taking the core of their business which is serving the correct news to the correct people and they're not doing that and they're not only taking their hard-earned work and giving someone else the credit for it 
Oh boy, that is a hard, hard, hard one to explain in those quarterly meetings that they must go to about increasing your GDN and your AdSense <laughs> sales. Like that's the first thing they're going to talk about. It, just to, to to back that up, if you ever want to see how powerful the, the media industry is vis a vis Google, just look at AMP. Right? I've never seen mm. any other <laughs> any other vertical, any other industry have so much sway over Google to say like, hey, like you need to figure this out. Because we're losing our shit here, and if you don't figure it out, we're out. And you see Google just bending up, trying to figure things out. Yeah, I don't see this like with I don't know, whatever other the sports industry or the, the entertainment industry, whatever it is, or but the news industry, which applies so much content and new content, they have Google's number a little bit. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one because they're going out of business slowly, but surely they're relying on ad revenue, and they've got perverse incentives in order to make that keep going so they'll literally do and say anything to, to keep the kind of party going and the way I see the news industry is there needs to be some radical change in the way that they monetize because that is just water circling the drain like it's it's not looking good in the next 10 years for those guys I'm not so upset about that for most for most news websites <laughs> I can I have no affinity for the media um in, in any in any regard for any political spectrum that's nothing to do with my politics I just don't like the media um, well there's something interesting so you get no affinity to the media there because you don't trust them because yeah i don't the trust them that they're currently putting out but what do google use links from major media sources as a trust, signal. trust i know which is funny because i think i'm a real cynic so i think everybody has a bias you're on the left you have a bias you're on the right you have a bias you're up you're down you're diagonal whatever you are you have a bias and it's really coming through i can't remember like the wall street journal article with uh with google recently what the hell was that that was a badly put together hit piece is what that was. I mean, look, even if you think Google sucks and they're terrible, you should at least do more than 17 searches to figure that out. I just did 17 searches in the last five minutes. Yeah, I felt quite bad for some of the SEOs that were uh, represented. In that yeah. Because I think they were misrepresented and they just cherry picked what they wanted to to hear so Isn't that's that a nice? classic example of putting your spin on it and your bias on it yeah. uh twitter all the people who were interviewed on it on twitter kind of stuck up for themselves a little bit more but um yeah it's getting i just feel like everything's getting a bit mental out there yeah, I, i've never true. like i've actually i've changed browser to uh, to brave really instead of chrome and firefox just because i need something to just drown out the extreme noise that's interesting um, i just saw so about using brave like literally 15 minutes ago you like it love it. it i mean it's based on chromium so we're not actually getting away from google at all right right, right. okay even well, even if your microsoft is so like you can't yeah, get away yeah. from it so, i mean it's still their proprietary technology but their uh browsers all open sourced and there's nothing fed back to the the mothership they have something called brave rewards which means that um they show um non-targeted uh advertising which you can you either can get cash for, so you get paid to see advertising, or you can tip the the people who are actually pr producing the content, whether that be YouTubers or journalists. That feels better. That feels like right. more of what's going to happen in the future. So are you a DuckDuckGo fan? No, it's just a bad search engine. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's sort of the problem. Although, I, I, okay, I do have a feeling that there, there's going to be more traction with that site than than let's say Bing or Yahoo going forward. Like if I had to put if I put money on another search engine other than Google, I would put my money on DuckDuckGo. I'm not saying you should do that because I'm a horrible investor, so don't take my advice. But if I had to, I would. 
Nah, it doesn't. Like, most people aren't actually concerned about their privacy. I've seen a piece in, again, the Wall Street Journal that said that 60% of Americans um, feel that they're being tracked or surveilled on a regular basis by big tech and the government, and they're fine about it, or they feel helpless about it. I, Jesus, right. that's, that's awful. Right. America. Very, very And good. That, that won't just be the states, because everyone follows the everyone follows America. We like to have little pokes at them and stuff like that because right. of some of their political decisions, but <laughs> we're just as bad in the UK. We uh, have Trump light, you know. It's, <laughs> I was going to say, like, let's not get into that, because we can go, we, we, do you really want to go there? Absolutely not. Absolutely. No, we are completely bi- bipartisan down the middle kind of a company. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Sticking with the news, sort of, um, I wonder what your take is on... See, the original news reporting thing was interesting to me because I, I forgot which came first, the chicken or the egg, but right along with that update where Google said, hey, we're going to try to prefer original news content, and then they boshed it with their canonical, the quality reader guidelines said, hey, we're going to make this change where we're telling our readers to look at the original creator and weigh that more heavily in favor of authority, and this is what a good page is. Coincidence? Or is there really a connection between the quality reader guidelines and and the algorithm? Which again has been one of those like themes everyone's been talking about and getting all upset about. The quality reader guidelines for me are just a big nothing burger. Like the fact that they keep referring to it and it's all like just to improve your site. So uh, was it Danny Sullivan came out with the last algorithm update? He said our advice is always is just improve your site. The last one, the last general, fifty of them. Like, yeah, in fact, it was a. It was actually a webmaster hangout with Martin Split and John Mueller, and they were saying on speed optimization, he's like, oh, just try and make your site generally faster. That's our tip. And I'm like, oh, enter slow clap. That is brutal <laughs> advice. Um, but that's just what they've always they've always kind of been like. Sorry, I went on a tangent. I forgot your original question. No, that's fine. Um, I forgot it too, so we're good. No, um, 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 okay, quality reader guidelines. Right. Is what's happening there really what's happening in the algorithm? I should really have you and Marie Haynes on at the same time so you can sort of duke it out over this. Marie's Marie's fantastic and I've learned a lot from her. Um over the years. I've met her a couple of times in person. I really heavily respect the the, the work she does. It's okay to disagree. She get great results for her clients and her agency's growing, yeah. you know, tenfold. So she's she's killing it. Um however, when it comes to looking at the quality rate or guidelines as the kind of bible of what you should do. Um, I think it's good to help train consultants in thinking process, but in terms of, you know, saying things like, oh, if you add author pages to uh, sites that are medical, then that's going to help because that's part of the, I'm like, well, maybe, but probably not. I think a lot of it's to do with, like, all the entities on the page, i.e. the authors, are the authors linked to as much as the uh, site is linked to? You're like a real links guy. like yeah, because like just think of trillions and trillions of pages on a daily basis and then think of an algorithmic rule that applies to the way in which information is put together around things like author pages yes you can mark them up and all that sort of stuff but if i put for example i know nothing about let's say raising a family so are you saying if i start a raising a family site and just put myself as an author and all that that's gonna outrank something that was just plain no, so I yeah, text, okay, I agree. Not. I agree that that the bio thing is like way over focused. Like we we're so good at this in SEO. Google is something really like holistic and really comprehensive and really you know deep and and qualitative. And we say okay, so now you have to make an author bio. Like here's a checklist. 
I think it's way more holistic than that. I think Google's looking at your whole site and taking a look and seeing, okay, what you're writing, does it really align to what, uh, let's say, um, super authorities in the industry are writing. So, for example, if you're writing about, um, I'm just looking at this, I don't know why I was looking at this, uh, cancer and diet. I was looking for SEO purposes, not like I have cancer and diet. No one freak out. Um, and you look at some of the things like, say, like the, web, the way WebMD is writing or the way the Mayo Clinic is writing. And then you look at some of these sites that were hit by the the algorithm updates, um, like drakes.com, draxe.com. And again, like you could just clearly do a site operation and see like the way this guy's talking about it and the way that guy's talking about it are two totally different things. And Google's profiling that content and saying, this is what authority sounds like in the vertical. And this is not what authority sounds like in the vertical. And John Mueller actually said that they do that. And they said, um, actually, for a health query, he said, like, um, yeah, if you're looking about like something like diabetes, we're going to take a look and see how that topic is discussed in the vertical and how it's not discussed in the vertical. So, yeah, okay, author bio, I agree with you. Like, if you're just going to create an author bio and that's how you're going to look at what authority is, that's dumb. And Google will look at links instead. But I'm asking, and I'm, I'm just going to push you a little bit, when Google's... <laughs> When Google is doing something way more holistic, way more qualitative to develop an understanding, how does that stack up against links? Yeah, so I mean, I like to be facetious when it comes to the the whole link thing. But um, yeah, holistic on-page changes are, are a big, big thing that we started to to do. From the most basic of like proper siloing of, of information, um, you'd be surprised how much that makes a huge, huge change, just changing structure of how information is put together. With regards to quality or guidelines, um, we kind of freak out every single time there's a minor change of language in it. <laughs> that's true. Um, and I think that's just what we're like. And we, we tend to hang our hats on one thing that we find easy to understand. And seeing as we are like a nation of people who say it depends is our first answer to everything, but when we're asked about things like EAT and quality or guidelines, we've got hard rules on what's right and what's wrong. <laughs> That's true. It's just point. ridiculous. I, that I depends on the vertical. Way. Yeah, depends on the vertical, depends on what you're trying to do. Um, are the quality or guidelines like major ranking factors? Some of them probably are. Um, and I, I hate to be that guy who's, I think actually the old Matt Cutts videos of just like, create good content and then we'll figure the rest out like that's becoming truer and truer and truer and it really pains me as a link builder pains <laughs> right. me to say that, that sucks sorry buddy yeah <laughs> but it's true, it's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> okay so the to quote bob dylan the hour is getting late he didn't say and i was getting laid it's the hours getting late in all along the watchtower that's a common uh lyric uh miss here Going to 2020, if you can think of like one thing that you would say, like, yeah, this is going to be a big thing in 2020. Cliche sort of question. I like cliches, though. Um, what, do you, what, what would it be? Uh, I'm really getting on the speed train, which I never used to. So in our technical audit, performance was the last thing we'd look at because typically in a large organization, getting them to increase like site speed and URL speed is actually something that takes rebuilds usually because we've got so much technical debt that it's impossible to make any meaningful change but we're really banging that drum very hard so we um done some very big speed optimizations for a publisher actually uh if you'd believe who are in the kind of eco warrior type space you know we talk about the oil spills in the niger delta and save the whale and all that good stuff got their uh time to interactive down to something like 0.2 
uh, seconds and got their uh, first contemptible paint uh, down to about 1.5, which is fast for anyone out there. We didn't look at GT metrics or Pingdom or anything like that because it's just, you know, that's just numbers for the sake of numbers. Um, and they've seen uh, in extreme levels of traffic growth. So I'm talking about 3x total website traffic growth. So from a couple hundred thousand clicks to close to a million wow. per month. Um, now, I'm not saying that speed changes will be the be all and end all for everyone, but I wish 2020, you would. I wish you would. It would be lovely because you can control it. That, right, they, right. Nice. They can, you can control it, and it's a good soundbite I can use for this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> But um, I'm going to use my good friend Arnout Hellimans. He's the ah, nice. uh, at Hellimans on Twitter. Um, he says, follow the money. And I love that as a mentality. So think about where Google needs to save or make yes. money. So how do they save money? Well, they save money by understanding your page better so they can rip your information. Cool. Right. So that's structured markup. Also, bandwidth costs. It's really expensive to rip your content if it's in javascript so probably i mean i think they're they're getting a lot better at, at doing that I think well they, they said yeah right. um, um but also the speed thing because the faster your site loads the faster they can rip your information and understand it so they're going to start point. doing that so essentially every little thing that the little carrot that they dangle for us over time right that's the new hot thing and, and will remain to be and the thing that um, they're trying to get us to ignore or scare us about, usually around the world of anything easy to, to, to manipulate. Yeah. Um, that will also be something you should look at. So <laughs> right. they push their genuine interests around technical, which look like schema and speed being two major core things. Yep. And then they try and scare you in things that if we know too much, that's bad for them. So yeah, that's a good point. I the like whole that. link graph thing. And that's good. I like that. That's very interesting. So that's how I think. And that yeah. won't change in 2021 either. <laughs> the same. <laughs> Follow the money again. No, but it's a good point because people think Google has unlimited resources and they don't. And then, then the easier you make it for them, the better. By the way, even on the, the machine learning entity understanding side of things, if you have a site with that as like a really great backlink profile, it's just easier for Google to look at that than it is to analyze your site. Absolutely. That's a very, very good point. So with that, I have a little gimmick that I do at the end of the show, at the end of the interview. Mm-hmm. I call it optimize it or disavow it, where I give you two good options or two bad options. And of course, you're stuck choosing between a really good option or a really bad option. And this is the Ross Tavendale version of optimize it or disavow it. <laughs> This theme that we've sort of been talking about, holistic sort of things, you know, entity understanding versus things like um, your, your, your links or even, um, um, you know, your, your page speed. In 2020, if you could only do one, you could focus on either, you know, creating really good content, all those nice fluffy sounding things, or actually do your technical SEO up to a T. Your site speed, site audits, links, which would you do? You can only do one and it doesn't depend. Okay, so if I could only do one, it would be content. Uh, and the reason why is because I'm going to use a Mark Zuckerberg-ism here. Uh, his whole thing was if you optimize your user base to get 10% more sticky and you've got 100 users, that's 10 more people that you've achieved, or you could just go out and find another 100. With content production, you the more and more you produce at a higher quality, you will end up 
accidentally falling into a bunch of SERPs and yeah. getting noticed and then being seen as a resource and then accidentally being linked to, which will then self-perpetuate. <laughs> so creating a big content flywheel is actually, if you only had to pick one, I would say more important than technical because how how wrong can you get a WordPress install? In fact, right. no, you can get that I mean, video, yeah, but... <laughs> for the most part. For the most part. Agreed. Yeah. Fine. So that would be it. Just co- content at scale. By the way, that's that's <laughs> it's a little bit interesting that I have this like thing like people will talk about you know I'm gonna target this keyword I'm gonna create this content for this thing, but I I, I always like wanted to somehow put numbers to this and I don't know if I can. How much of your traffic and how much of your your rankings have to do with keywords that you had no idea you were targeting when you set off to do it? I venture to say it's yeah. a lot. Absolutely, that's the first thing we do with clients. We go into their search console, we pull via the API, she can't get an interface, the URLs and the keywords next to them so I can see all the duplication. If there's more than 10 duplicate, if there's more than 10 keywords ranking for a URL, that's a cannibalized, potentially a cannibalization thing where we want to build out more pages so we rank higher. It's just a really nice, easy, cool. immediate thing you can do. Nice. Well, thanks, Ross. I really appreciate you coming on. It's great to speak with you and catch up with you soon, hopefully. Yeah, thank you, Marty. Really appreciate the the invite and uh, talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Welcome back to your regularly scheduled In Search SEO podcast programming. I wish I had a Scottish accent. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> no. Oh, please. So cool. God, please. No. Can I have one? No. no. <laughs> thank you. It was, by the way, good stuff. Great stuff. There's so much more to cover in 2019 than just that. But so it goes. We only have so much time. But I do want the Scottish accent. Okay. Okay. Fine. <laughs> With that, can you try to imitate us? Would you, we're about to do the news. Can you do the Scottish accent? Yeah, uh, no, I don't, I don't want to mess that up. Not now. Okay. Not Later. Now. Okay. So, up here, yeah. it's that time again where mm-hmm. we look back at the week and we reflect what happened in SEO? What's up here? SEO? Could you please hit it with the news and tell us what happened in SEO? Okay. The bug removing image th- thumbnails from recipe results is still ongoing. As of now, the only re- recourse you have is to get the page recrawled and re-indexed via the URL inspection tool, which is just a terrible option when you have tons of pages. Yeah, and it stinks if, you're, if your result is not showing up with an image thumbnail, particularly if you're a recipe site, because mm-hmm. I'm not clicking on it if I can't see it. I would right. like to smell it also. But Google can't do that yet. Scra- right. Imagine a scratch and sniff SERP. Oh, God. That'd be awesome. Anyways, Google says that <laughs> they are working on the issue. Yes. Okay. Yeah. okay. Onwards. Moving on. As mentioned, Google has added a few new filters for easy access to hotel info uh, on its travel website. Want to talk about that? No. We please. already did. <laughs> we already <laughs> Okay. Fine. But you should definitely go over and check it out if you haven't checked it out yet. Even if you're not planning a trip. Go ahead right. and check it out. Okay, lastly, an interesting test has Google showing a blue arrow next to each URL. And it sucks. (laughs) It looks disgusting. I don't know what they're thinking. Okay, slow down. Okay. I'm talking to myself. Slow down, Morty. Yes, as usual. It looks horrible. Okay, it's 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 imagine a little um, triangle next to the URL, a blue triangle next to the URL. But Sergey Alakov, who found this, along with Valentin Pletzer, also found this at the same time. Um, He, Sergey, second name drop for Sergey this episode. Good job, Sergey. Um, he said that one of the reasons he thinks it's there is because it makes the ad URL look like an organic URL. In other words, if every URL, organic, uh, paid, right, they both show with that blue arrow next to it, it makes the user think that they're all the same. It creates mm-hmm. uniformity, which makes you think, hey, it's not an ad. Let me click on it. More ad clicks, more revenue. 
Get it? Interesting theory. It is. I yeah. think it makes sense. Yeah. But hopefully Google won't do this because it's just ugly. <laughs> and that's the end of the news for today. Thank okay. you so much. You're welcome. Which means Which it's... Means? Oh, no. It's what? Oh, Come no. on. You do it. Which means it's time for the fun SEO send-off question. Roll music. Yeah, now it's your job now. No! Now Now that you do it one time, it's your job. Because I I can't talk anymore. Like, I feel it in my voice. (laughs) Okay. I sound like some kind of, like, 90s rocker at this point. No. I feel like I sound like that. I always wanted to sound like that. I even bought leather pants to sound like that. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Fun SEO send-off question is... Okay, it's a terrible question. But you made it. I was Okay, (laughs) background. Sabrina's like, this is the worst question. I'm like, but yeah, but you suggested it. (laughs) So why are we using it? But you, you suggested it. it. You, you suggested it. it. You picked it out of the. Okay. The know. question is. Okay. The question, the question is, is. Who would Google marry? Who would Google marry? <gasps> oh God. Do you want to answer? Oh yeah. Uh, I can answer. <laughs> who would Amazon. Amazon. Well, let me explain. Okay. I, I compare it to like a political marriage. Like the reason why Bill Clinton, uh, Hillary stayed married to Bill Clinton. Was not because they loved each wow. other. Because Hillary said, hey, if I stay married, I can become a senator and run for president. <laughs> it's a utilitarian uh, marriage. <gasps> Same thing with Google and Amazon. Right? Amazon's Google's biggest competitor. What better way to handle your biggest competitor than by moving with them? You're killing romance here. It's not about romance. Oh, God. It's about, it's about winning, a little bit of sex, but mainly about winning. Enemies to lovers. Trump. Whatever it is. <laughs> Keep, okay. your, keep, you know, keep your friends closer, your enemies closer kind of thing. And you'll sleep on the couch for a while, but whatever. It's cool. And Sapir's answer? My answer <laughs> is that Google would just marry itself. Because um, Google's asexual. <laughs> I read this funny article. I don't remember when, but like a woman decided that she wants to marry herself. Oh, so I guess yeah, so it's like it's possible. It. Fine. Yeah. So Google is narcissistic is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm just saying Google is is like, you know how gods don't marry commoners? They just, you know. Marry. I don't know any gods. <laughs> and I don't know any commoners. I don't know. like like. But uh, I understand what you're saying. Okay. So yeah. So that's what Google so, will do. Yeah. Everyone else are just like inferior. And that'll do it for this version of the Insert SEO Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and getting us up to 50 episodes. We appreciate it, but my voice can't handle it anymore, so that'll do it for us. It's been in search because we're all in search of, of something. something. Ooh, Ooh, nice. Thank you. Thank you.